0: Hey y'all, this is your girl Amber reaching your potential. In this episode, I have one of my cool friends right here. He's a black OT and he works in home health and in a SNF, also known as a skilled nursing facility. So he's gonna talk a little bit about how he got into those two settings and a little bit more, but I'm not going to hold this any longer. Let's go and get started. So, I have Vontae on the podcast today. He's going to talk a little bit about himself, how he got into OT. And we're going to talk a lot about home health and skilled nursing facility settings. So, everybody, meet Vonte.
1: How's everyone doing? Um, I'm Vontae. I have been in OT a little bit over a year and a half or so. Um, I graduated from FAMU in spring 2019, and then I moved to California fall 2019 to start my first job working at a SNF. So I've been working at a SNF four times since then at the same job.
0: Okay, nice. Um, So SNFs were your first job. Did you know that like that was gonna be the first, I guess the first setting that you were gonna work in after graduating?
1: No, I really wanted an inpatient. Mm, No,
0: same here, me
1: too. 90-minute treats, 7 to 3, you're off. So I applied um, to jobs in Texas first. And I was like, okay, I can move to Texas. It's right by Louisiana, which is where I'm from. But then I applied to jobs in California because my aunt lives out here. And they reached out first. And then like the next week later, Texas reached out. But I was like, well, I already committed to California. So no kids, no family. So I might as well just move out <laughs> here and see how it goes. And I've been out here since then. And I love it.
0: That's awesome. I didn't need to do the same thing, honestly, because I'm in New York. But um, I remember my last field work, I was in an inpatient rehab setting and I loved it. I was like, oh, I really want to be here. And they actually gave me the job to be an OT in Georgia. But I wasn't ready to move because I didn't really have family down there. I just have like my godmother, but I didn't want to, you know, pry and do all that stuff. So I Mm -hmm. had to turn it down.
1: What part of Georgia?
0: Um, it was a really country part. It was called Warm Springs.
1: Oh, I, I did my level two in Savannah, Georgia. Both of them.
0: Oh, nice.
1: I like that a lot. Man, inpatient's just something different.
0: It is. It's such a nice vibe. And being with other therapists, too, in one gym. I don't know. It was so much fun. It
1: was nice. It was easy. and I, I saw so many different diagnoses and conditions and it was good i liked it a lot
0: yeah so i'm hoping you know in the near future i'm planning to move like down south and stuff so if it i would. can get an opportunity yeah
1: <laughs> it's hard to get um to get like hospital jobs though from what i've been hearing from people like once people get them they try to stay in there and lock them. it so
0: yeah so you know i'm gonna be praying on it <laughs> But um, yeah, so let's get a little bit into before you got into your stiff job. How do you get into OT?
1: Um, I'm going to say in 2000, I think five, 2006, my great grandmother had a stroke. OT would come to the house and help her with like her dressing and bathing and things like that. And I was like, what is this? So I looked to it more, but then I kind of forgot about it. But once I became a junior in high school, okay. You're about to graduate next year. You need to figure out your plan, what you want to do. So I started trying to find jobs online. And I looked up physical therapy first. And I was like, mm, too much work. I was like, let me see what else. <laughs> like occupational therapy. I said, well, what is this again? And I looked it up and I saw it. I fell in love with it. It's, it's right. weird because I didn't know that we can do so much as occupational therapists. Like, I don't know. Google's like, you just do this, 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 but when you get into extra field, you're like, well, dang, I can do this, I can do that, I can do that.
0: Yeah.
1: Stuff is crazy, and we can, like, make everything functional, so that's what I like about it.
0: Yeah, I agreed, and that's so interesting, you mentioned about your great-grandmother getting OT when you were a little bit younger. My great-grandfather had OT, and I didn't, I actually didn't know he had OT back in, um, when he was alive, and He was doing like his exercises, like in the couch, like the little like elbow flexion and stuff. But I didn't know where he learned that from. And then later on, my grandmother told me, she's like, yeah, he had OT for a little bit. I'm like, you didn't tell me.
1: (laughs) Mm -mm. It was a long journey though. Um, So I went to the University of Louisiana and Monroe from 2010 to 2014. I got my bachelor's Then I was about to apply to OT school But I didn't know how competitive it was. Here I go. I have I graduated with a 3.2 GPA. And I'm like, okay, I have to get in. I'm super involved um, on campus. I got all these hours, boom, boom, boom. Didn't get accepted. But yet I have people that are in like pharmacy school or whatever, like 2.5s, getting into their programs. I'm like, what's going on? Why is it so hard? So I end up... um, Staying two more years at my undergrad to get a master's in psychology while I was reapplying to OT schools. And then I applied to FAMU, talked to Dr. O, which, the, which is the current director there. She accepted me. And I told myself, I said, if I can get into the program, that's all I need. Good. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it took.
0: That's awesome that you persevered, like, even though you're like, okay, I didn't get in, like, I'm still going to go for it because this is what I want to achieve, you sure. know? no choice. That's it. No, I agree Like even like my journey was a little bit different I was in um, undergrad when I learned about OT <laughs> I was a sophomore in college and I was just like okay I need to figure something out and declare a major before the end of sophomore year and I kind of stumbled across OT when I was looking at PT yeah. and I was like oh what's OT and never heard of it before and luckily they had like enough spots in a cohort that was in the same direction of me graduating Mm -hmm. so I didn't have to stay an extra year or so and luckily with like my whole application process and everything I was able to go through it but my plan beforehand was if I didn't get into the program I was just going to get my bachelor's and then just apply for a master's program Mm -hmm. but knowing now that like OT programs are so competitive, that so many people are always trying to get into OT school and they're like, it is so hard.
1: It's crazy, it's it's crazy how hard it is. Like you would never think that, but... Yeah. I, I don't know, I, I'm indifferent <laughs> to stuff like that. I'm like, why is it so hard to into this program? Because I really feel like people who have like a 3.0, 3.2, you know, area, they're like the best students because they're not so uptight, all about books, A plus, A plus, A plus. We're like, well, I am at least. I'm like more flexible. I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. I'll start. I'm not going for all A's. I want to learn the material. If I get an A, cool. If I get a B, I'm okay with that too. You know, I'm not really tripping, just, yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like those are the type, the best type of students because you're not really about like, oh, I need to get A in every class, but it's more about what do you learn in that class? And I wasn't a straight A a straight A student in school or grad school but I made sure I learned the material and if I got the gist of what was in class like for example neuro hated neuro like I wasn't good at it but now I understand everything as to why you know things work in our brain and the body but at the time I was struggling
1: (laughs) yeah and with us being OTs it's so flexible like this this job or this profession is not like boom, 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 boom. It's so like it's everywhere. You oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> t- no,
1: like it throws everything at you. It's, it's not going to be like treat this patient the same way you treat this other patient. It's like okay, this patient used to play basketball, so let's do something to help them get back, you know, to that or whatever. Versus this patient like to garden outside or something like that. Like there's two different things. All these different things they present differently in each patient. So you have to really be like. Super um creative. Yes. Me. You participate in therapy and stuff like that. So it's challenging, but I love it.
0: Now I agree. It is challenging, you know, even kind of diving into home health right now. Because um, as a new grad, this, this is my first job. So home health. And I remember <laughs> my professors telling me or just telling my class in general, don't really go for a home health job because it's kind of hard. It's like a little bit more challenging, I guess, yeah. and the lack of mentorship and things of that nature. So I see the pros and the cons, but yeah. also I was looking more into the pros because the person's home is their natural environment. That's where they live, that's where they sleep, that's where they shower, that's where they dress, something, this is the best place to do OT because you know that's, that's what we're about. But then trying to still have that creative piece, I feel like I struggle on that. Or I feel like my patients aren't motivated as much as I'm motivated to help them be able to do these things. So I just want to kind of see what your thoughts are in terms of home
1: health as like a new grad. Um, so I waited to start home health. Um, I think I was I was six months into my full time job. I said, okay, let me get some experience first so I can know how to do an eval correctly. And, you know, just different things as an OT since we are like the supervisors over the coders, So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. let me get some experience. So luckily a coder that I used to work with, he was doing home health. So he introduced me to his agency. So we talked it over okay. the phone and I was like, yeah, you know, I told him I only want to do evals only though. Cause I didn't want to work a full time job treating patients, then come home on the weekends and then go do more treatments. So I yeah. only do evals only, but so far <laughs> it's been pretty cool. Um, I don't have any difficulty because I have to realize that the patient and the family don't know when I'm messing up. They don't know. So I try to always, you know, try to um, act professional, but if like they ask me something like, Hey, what does this do?" or Whatever. I'm like, I'll look into it and I'll let you know, I'll call you back <laughs> later or something like that. So as, as far as evaluations, I mean, it's not that difficult for me. I go in there, um, I assess the home safety, upper body strengthening, standing balance. Then I ask them any concerns and the family as well. Like have they noticed a functional decline and whether it was functional mobility, dressing, bathing, bathing toileting, um, taking walks outside or, you know, stuff like that. And then I just go for it with that. I try to um, build a rapport with the family and the patient so they can have some kind of, okay, he knows, you know, he knows what he's talking about and um, yeah. stuff like that. I get most questions are like, "Well, what's OT? What's PT?" I'm like, "Well, yeah.
0: okay."
1: <laughs> time today, I just tell him like, "Well, physical therapy helps you with your strengthening and your legs, you like your mobility." But occupational therapy, we focus more on self care skills first. So when I come in the house, I want to make sure that your mom or dad or even yourself that y'all are safe going from the bathroom to the room, from the car. To the house can you pick up something from the ground without falling can you wash dishes without being tired or overexerted? um can you put your clothes on without needing help and things like that and like oh okay mm-hmm. so i'm like yeah that's what i do yeah
0: i i, <laughs> I feel that i'm feel like i'm always doing education on the difference between pt and ot um because majority of my patients, their goal is like, I want to walk or I want to walk faster and things of that nature. So I'm always like, okay, like, well, PT really focuses on like the walking mobility aspect. But I'm going to focus a lot on making sure that you can walk safely in your home to, let's say, go to the bathroom, or be able to get in and out the tub without falling. And if I see that things are unsafe, or it can be safer, I can recommend adaptive equipment or different tools that can make the environment safer, like grab bars or to increase contrast on the stairs, we can add some tape there to make sure that you're not getting confused on what step is next, you know, things of that nature. And I feel like for the most part, they understand the difference once I kind of give a little spiel like that too. Yeah, so I feel like the biggest thing like for home health is like safety in the home and making sure that they're safe doing like their daily activities.
1: It's weird because when I was in school, they taught us that if um you receive home health, you're like homebound. You can't leave the house unless it's for what, church or doctor's appointments or like, something like
0: that. Yeah, doctor's appointments or even like hair appointments too, like, oh, if I'm gonna get my hair done.
1: But now <laughs> Pull up to patients' houses, and they're like walking down the street. And I actually had one patient drive and meet me at his house. I was like, "Hey, Mr. So and So, I'm at your house." He was like, "Okay, I'm, I'll be there in five minutes." And he was driving. And I'm like, "Why do you need, to, like, wait, do you need wait, wait. I'm confused." <laughs> like, I had one guy. I pulled up to his house, and he was he just finished walking like 0.5 miles with his wife. I'm like, "Well, you don't need therapy, so." <laughs> nothing um, i told him I was like yeah i don't think you need therapy at least occupation therapy i mean you're walking half a mile by yourself with your wife and you're not falling, you're not tired so right yeah it's it's crazy it's weird yeah
0: it's so confusing at times i i feel the same way with my um the agency that i'm working with for home health i get these referrals and when i do initial evals they're like yep i can put on my clothes by myself, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, can you show me? And he put it on with no issue. And I'm like, why are you referred to OT? <laughs> you know? Well, so, you- and it's, yeah, exactly. Like, What are we going to do? You know, I, it's, it's, it's so difficult. So like in terms of dressing, if they can dress themselves and then um, they can bathe themselves or the other factor is they have a home health aid in their house 24 hours, a day. And they're like, well, my home health aide does it for me. And I'm just like,
1: mm. what you to do then? What you, you, you want to stare at each other? What, what's up? What?
0: Right, like, because we can't talk for an hour. <laughs> right.
1: So how do you like treating though?
0: Um, I do enjoy treating. So for the most part, in my home health job, everybody lives in kind of the same vicinity, which is nice. So everybody's oh, kind of like five minutes away or less than five minutes away. So I'm not driving from one part of the city to the other. That's good. very nice. Yeah. Because I've heard horror stories about how people have like an hour commute.
1: Yeah. You? I drive like, I think the furthest I've dri- driven was like 45 minutes. And no. no, maybe one patient was an hour and they didn't even answer the door. And I told them I was coming. No. It was like an hour drive there and back. Yeah.
0: That's crazy! Oh my gosh! So, luckily, I have not experienced that. They keep everybody like in whatever city or part yeah. of Queens that they assign you to. That's where you're going to have most of your patients, which is nice. Absolutely. And yeah, and so far, I've enjoyed. I enjoy all my patients. I have a good rapport with them, and I just try my best to really like educate on the purpose of what we're doing. Because sometimes they do ask, like, okay, why am I putting dishes away? Or why am, why are we playing, like, balloon volleyball or something like that? And I'm telling them, like, well, it's for your upper body strength. We're working on your balance because I see that you get kind of wobbly at times. And they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So I'm like, okay, at least they kind of see the reasoning as to why we do things. Um. But so far, treatment has been okay. Um, of course, not perfect, but yeah. I just tried to be as creative as I can without putting too much pressure on myself yeah. because the first couple of months, I was definitely stressing out on um, trying to be as functional as I can um, for my treatments and not trying to make PT and OT look the same, if that yeah. makes sense, you know? Because we do... We do similar things, but I always want to make sure that we are doing functional tasks yeah. in the session that are, uh, that makes it seem that like when I'm doing my documentation, insurance sees that this is skilled care.
1: Yeah. Same with me in the SNF. I have a lot of people in my case at like the SNF, well, sometimes. Like, I think right now, an average day, I treat maybe like eight to 10 people. Mm-hmm. that it just depends on like how busy we are I, right now we're kind of low so i have maybe six or seven people but okay. it gets difficult sometimes trying to think of different um interventions during therapy sessions but luckily i have a good team so we all like come together with different stuff like, okay let's do something harder like dynamic standing balance on a on a phone pad reaching for something like clothespins in the air or something like that or um mm-hmm. We call it um, circus games, like cones, beanbag toss the cones or water pong and stuff like that. (laughs) So it's fun. I think I'm going to start a garden outside of the rehab gym for people. We have like a big old thing and it's just empty. So I'm like, maybe I go buy some stuff to start a garden for patients to come out there and like shovel dirt and plant seed and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, that's so much fun. And I have so many patients, not so many patients, but I have like at least three patients on the top of my head right now that I have who love gardening, that mm-hmm. loves planting flowers or they used to have a joy of doing it, but they're like, oh, I'm, I'm too old now, quote unquote, I'm too old to do it. But I'm always motivating them like, hey, like we can actually plant something. I think that will be fun. We can go outside in your garden. And, um, you know, do something that's functional, but also meaningful to you, because as it's getting warmer, the flowers are blooming. And um, I know I have this one client right now. He's actually a stroke patient, which I like, I love working with him. And he has like this indoor garden in Mm -hmm. his home. And his daughter is the one that's kind of planting everything for the most part. But he knows his flowers so well that we did like a little activity kind of for him to identify different types of flowers and working on like wiping the whiteboard after like he told me what the flower was and i'm like oh my gosh it would be so much fun if we like actually you know plant a flower or something you know
1: it would be dope for you
0: yeah so i hope like i'm keep pushing him but he's like oh no no i'm like no, we got to do it. Like, this will be so much fun for you. Yo,
1: let's go. We're going to plan a garden today.
0: Facts. <laughs> but um, another question I have for you is when you are faced with clients that are like, unmotivated, because I feel like sometimes I, I get so stumped on, <laughs> like, patients are just like, oh, no, we don't have to do that. And I'm like, in a way, we kind of do. <laughs> How do you kind of... So push through or kind of encourage them that this is helpful?
1: Well, so again, my four-time job is at a sniff. So the population I work with is like heavily mental health and homeless people and like drugs and alcohol. Mm. So honestly, we, I, we face this every day at my job. Like um, we get a lot of 40, 50-year-old people here for drug abuse, alcohol abuse and stuff like that. And yet they're independent, but they're not safe. Their balance is off. Their cognition is horrible. They can't um, do medication management properly. And they think that we're wasting their time. So we'll go in the room. Hey, whatever, whatever. Therapy time. No, for what? It's stupid. I'm not doing it. And you just have to like, well, I try to um, negotiate with them. Like, hey, do this therapy for 30 to 45 minutes. You'll be done for the rest of the day. Then you can go smoke because they love to smoke cigarettes or whatever. Or... Mm -hmm. I try to ask them well you want to take a shower I was like, yeah yeah all right well come on let's get up let's walk to the shower and you can take a shower i'll stand by just for supervision to make sure that you're safe with everything and then that's our session okay cool but sometimes well over the years i've learned if people don't want to do it you can't force people to do it so sometimes i'm like okay well i'll come back and check tomorrow or i'll come back and check later today and then after a while I think it's all about trust too. Like once the patient trusts you and they know you, they're like, okay, I'll come to the gym, you know? Cause some people just mm-hmm. stubborn and, and they like to test your buds to see how far can they push you or how far they can walk over you. And I'm like, nah, not me. So let's get up and go to therapy. And then you have to explain to them, okay, well, you're here for therapy. Your insurance is paying us to treat you. And if you don't do therapy, they're gonna kick you out, unfortunately. Cause you're only here for skill therapy. You don't have any wounds. You're not here for IV, so you need to do therapy. It's not gonna kill you 30 minutes out of your day. You have nothing else to do, literally nothing.
0: Oh my goodness, you took the words out of my mouth because <laughs> uh, like I could think of this one patient right now and it's just a lot with her situation because one, she has a language barrier. Mm. Two, she's very unmotivated and she, her caregiver, I believe is her daughter. So the daughter is the one that's translating everything um, for me and everything. But the daughter also, like, she's so, like, she's very lazy. She doesn't want to do anything. Um, it doesn't matter, like, what you do. Like, she just doesn't want to do anything, but just sit down and just, like, rest and sleep. But when I'm around, I try to, you know, do things that are kind of fun for her and get her up and going. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I always the daughter that you know we can talk to her and motivate her until we're blue in the face but she needs to want it for herself you mm-hmm. know um I know the mom always says which is my patient she's like oh I wish I was younger I was able to do all these things and I'm like I want you to do those things and you may not do it to like when you were younger but at least you'll be able to do a little bit more if you try You know, like we're here to help you. We're not here to, you know, make you feel less than or anything like that. We just want you to feel stronger. We want you to feel happy about life. You know, I don't want you to just exist. That's like something that we never want people to feel is just existing, We want them to actually live their life.
1: You're older, you don't want to do it. I get it, but I'm obligated to provide this service for you. Like, I have to do this. This is my job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
1: There's nothing else we can do, let's go, sorry. And some people you have to force. And I've learned that too. Like I have to build a rapport with certain patients who I know I can be like, get up now, let's go. Versus like, hey, it's time for therapy, you know? So it just depends on the person as well. And I'll just try to find something that interests them or motivates them to do something. Like what is bed mobility or just walking to the bathroom or putting on clothes at bedside, like let's do something. You know, I need to do something mm-hmm. for you. So I try to do that a lot with patients.
0: Yeah, I feel that with the clients and their personalities. Like everybody has their different personality, and you can't, you can't um, go into a session treating everybody the same. And you kind of mentioned that in the beginning too—that everybody's different. And in OT, we have to be creative and flexible because even like in my home health. Job. I see how PTs, they can do the same thing with every single patient and be fine. Yeah. OTs, we can't do that. You know, like everybody's need is different. One patient may need help with dressing and then the other patient has trouble with transfers from the toilet to their wheelchair. Like mm. it's two totally yeah. things. Documentation is different. And it's like, it's just something to keep in mind that how OTs, we... We cannot be so stagnant and just be like, oh, okay, this works for one patient, but it may not work for another one.
1: It's always being modified. Something's always being modified, regardless of who the patient is. Always modified.
0: Yeah. Always modification. But yeah, um, so um, last thing I have for you is do you have any like advice for new grads who are interested in home health or... Um, very interested in sniffs as well. Um, just things to keep in mind. Or also, like, what is your favorite setting? Even though we know, I know that it's inpatient, but I like, when you okay. have to think between sniff and home health.
1: Okay. Actually, I think <laughs> everything I want to apply to an outpatient PEEDS clinic just so I can still have that um, experience under my belt because I don't want to forget everything that I learned on field work. Right. I, I love working with children with disabilities. I love it. Um, but it's like the, the job search for peas is so low in, in California, but I still love P's. Um Love outpatient, like I said earlier, but I really like the sniff too, it's so flexible and it's not as um, so boom, 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 boom. Like you have flexibility, you can, well, I know my job, I can come in at um, whatever time I wanna come in basically. As long as mm-hmm. I see my patients before the end of the day, I'm cool so there's not like a cert be here at seven o'clock every morning, no. Um, that's nice. So that's the good thing about the SNP, super flexible and we do a lot of co-treats with physical therapy and even speech therapy. I do a lot Ooh. of like... um, I know I've had... I think like a 19-year-old boy one time with Prader-Willi syndrome. Oh, wow. We did a grocery task. So uh, um, I... ADL task and we set up this fake store with like real food and stuff and he had a buggy. And him and his mom walked around the gym to get stuff for a salad and he had to tell us which items to get, how much it cost, give us the money. We gave him change back. He walked to the kitchen, cut the salad up, the chicken, made a salad for him and his mom at lunch. Boom. So that's safety, mobility, cognition, sequencing, gross motor skills, like fine motor, everything. So that's good. Um, so I'm really flexible. The sniff is really flexible. Um, as far as home health advice for new grads, make sure you get a mentor of some sort. That's why I didn't do home health when I first stepped out of school. Cause I'm like, I don't know what to do, who to call. Like, cause my agency, I mean, they're there, but they don't give me any like good information. Like when I first got the job, they was like, okay, your first patient, here you go. Like, do I have orientation hey, like, on the documentation? <laughs> Like, how do I know the frequency? Like, what am I doing? But luckily, I had my coworker. He was telling me stuff like, okay, this means this. You do this, you do that, you submit this, and you know, have them sign the iPad or whatever. I'm like, well, thank you for that. But yeah, just make sure you have some kind of mentor of sort for home health. I would say, and even I would say any first job you get, at least have some kind of mentor for maybe like a week or two. Um, Luckily, I, like I said again, I had a great team. So when I got there, the lead OT is a black lady. So her name is Val. I was like, yes, somebody black. She's a female. Let's get it. So it was just me and her are like the only two OTs. Then we have coders under us. So that was good. So she's, she's still there with me and I still ask her questions all the time. Like Val, How can I do this for this patient? Or how can I document this? so that you know, she'll tell me and I'll, I'll tell her some stuff, some shortcuts I've learned in the last year and a half or so. So it's good to have somebody you can talk to. Um, Even if it's like a classmate, like I talk to my classmate, Bria, all the time. She's in Dallas at a SNF. And we always talking about different interventions or different conditions that patients have and stuff. So just make sure when you graduate and you get into the field, you have someone there to talk to and ask questions, anybody. What else? I think that's pretty much it as far as like advice going into like the OT world when you first graduate. I mean, you gotta be ready. There's no more CI there's no more like a teacher. How do I do it? this? Patient is told to sit. How do I transform? Transfer them. You gotta figure it out. Like <laughs> you, you OT. You don't yeah. have a to help you. So stuff like that. Um, is interesting. What else, Amber?
0: <laughs> oh no, you gave good um, tips for sure. I know. Like for my job, luckily I have I have a mentor with my job, so I'm always when I say I will be texting her, I be calling her. I'm like, hey, you got a second? to, you know, discuss this patient because I'm kind of stuck on what to do or one thing that I realized too, that my mentor realized as well, is that I kind of talk it through. And then while I'm talking, I realize the solution. And she's like, you got it. Like, that's literally what I was thinking. You kind of solved (laughs) your question question. just through talking it out. Yeah.
1: But just to hear it out loud. And so the other person can say, you already know the answer. Okay, well, I just wanted to hear it out loud to make sure it was good before I implement it.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. So that's and, helpful.
1: Yeah, and another thing is, I, now one thing I do wish that, I guess my school touched on it a little bit because I went to HBCU, but to think about being a black male OT in this field, it's like none of us compared to women in general. So I don't really have a I don't really know like a lot of black male OTs. I know like a few off of Instagram, but they can contact me for help. I don't mind to talk to them or whatever mm-hmm. with them. But that's definitely been a, I wouldn't say a real struggle, but I do have my difficulties sometimes being a male in general with patients, especially since most of my cake salt are female patients. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, do you want to do a shower? With who? I'm like, well, oh, with me. Um, I'm the therapist. I just need to Check dressing, bathing, you know, toileting. I need to make sure that you're safe. Can I have a female? Not today. I'm the only. I'm your therapist today. Um, I've seen it all. I'm not looking at you like that. I'm here strictly on a professional note. Like, yeah, you're done. So I have. Um, I don't have too many issues, but I do have a few like older people who are like, oh no, I need a woman to take a shower. I need this and that. Even when mm-hmm. I have to change people, because we do wipe a lot of butts and everything like that. So mm-hmm. most of them don't mind. But again, it's like comfort level and how much they trust you. So I try to make that easy as possible. Oh, I want to bring up one more thing about me being a black male OT and the um what is it? The I guess the connection we have with other patients of color. So majority, well, because I live in California, it's 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 a lot of mixed people, a lot of different ethnicities and races. Like I was like, man, this you don't know if they're African or whatever. It's just so much. I'm like, okay. So yeah. I've noticed since I've been working as a therapist that I can present myself differently when it's a person of color, regardless whether they're Black, Hispanic, or, you know, other races or whatever. It's a different mm-hmm. connection I have with them. I'm more relaxed. I'm more comfortable. I can talk to them like, hey, what's up? You know, <laughs> I'm going to tell your therapist yep. <laughs> guess we're going to do that. They're like, okay. Versus another, you know, Caucasian people or whatever is like, you have to be like, boom, 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 boom. I feel like they're like... I don't know. It's, I don't know how much we can say on this podcast, but.
0: (laughs) You can say it all because we, we just keep it real, to be honest. I mean, I, I'll be real right now that whenever I had a black patient, I was so comfortable with them. I felt like I was speaking to my grandmother or like my grandfather. It just felt like very calm, relaxed. They trusted me in an instinct. They're like, oh, stop, you're the therapist. Like, oh, we're gonna have a good time. Like, Yes, we are, Miss So-and-so, because I'm here for you, and you're here for me. It's a team effort, you know? Like, I just felt so calm. And then also the area that I work in is very um, – I have a lot of Jewish patients. So Ooh. they're very – yeah, so they're, like, very religious, and their Jewish Jewish um, culture and everything. So I feel like I have to be very, you know, cool, calm, collected. I can't be, like, uh, You know, like, they're very conservative in a way. Yeah. So yeah. I have to be, like, very – mellow i'm like okay so this is what we're going to do today um this is gonna work on this there was actually one patient i kind of was myself because his home health aide was black mm-hmm. so she and i kind of we yeah. felt each other pretty well and he felt pretty cool with me too so that actually worked well but for the most part if, if i have a white patient i'm very like we're not gonna joke around we're just gonna be like very professional
1: yeah, it it takes me a while to get comfortable with like most of my white patients. Well, older white patients, I'm gonna say specifically women, females, like most like the older mm. white women, there's I guess I I wouldn't say scared, but um you can tell that they're a little bit more reserved. Yeah,
0: I, that's the best word.
1: Versus when I have a like a black patient. Like right now, I have a um black patient and he wouldn't respond to anyone at the facility but me, because I had like the DNA's come in and try to weigh him and stuff. And then the other physical therapist try to go in there. And they was like, yeah, he'll say a word, but then he'll just go back to sleep.
0: But as soon as I mm. walked in, I was
1: like, hey, so-and-so, um, I'm Devonte," And he pulled a cover from over his head. I was like, okay, this is a black man. So I guess he heard <laughs> me." All right, what's up? I'm, like, I'm going to be in after lunch to do my eval with the PT. We're going to do this, do this, do that. Boom, boom, check that. He's like, all right, cool. And he did perfectly fine through the evaluation. So... It's definitely some struggles with the different cultures and races and stuff like that. But you got to push through and learn. You have to learn your way around how to get people to do stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure. And even when you mentioned about having females as patients and them being reserved, I get that same thing with patients who are males. And I have a good amount of male patients who are not even people of color. And they're really about, like, I'm going to the bathroom. Do not follow me. Like, I do not want you to watch me get bathed, like, bathe or <laughs> change. I don't.
1: You know, I'm noticing with the males, even in my facility, like, we have two female therapists there, two coders, whatever. And these men, like, no, no shower with them. I need a male. I'm like, I mean, to me, I don't care. But I'm like, I. I figure most men would be comfortable with a female watching them in the shower. You know, that's what men do. But they're like super like, no, I'll take yeah. him or him, you know, through the shower. I'm like, all right, well, let's go ahead and go in there. Go ahead and do your thing. But it's, it's shocking. It's interesting, like the dynamic and how people feel. Like I thought males would be like, let's go. I'm naked.
0: Okay, it's fine. <laughs>
1: they're, they're like very shy and timid and like, all right, cool. So I've learned a lot yeah. about it different dynamics of the male and female culture and how people think about one another Mm -hmm. it it is
0: interesting because i assume the same thing as you i'm like okay they're not really gonna care i'm just a female you know but then me being young black and they're just like what this girl is gonna watch me get undressed no we're not doing that (laughs) you're
1: gonna try to help me do what like come on
0: I want to help you. Like, we want to work on lower body dressing today. Nope, we're not doing that. <laughs>
1: but then I have women who, like, they have no shame. Like, I don't care. You've seen it all. And they just go full force. I'm like, all right, whatever works. With you. I mean, whatever works with you, let's do it. I didn't need to get this exactly. So it's very interesting, though. But other than that, I mean, it's it's stressful. But I, I love this job. It's stressful.
0: Definitely
1: but I love it, I love it. (laughs) And no one tells you this in school. They think like, oh, you're gonna be a therapist, you're gonna do this. They give, they set the perfect patient in your head on these tests and in school, oh, you're gonna have Miss Sally Jones, 78 year old stroke patient, you gave her this therapy, woo, she's back to normal. No. It's not like that. You say she was a drug addict, she had schizophrenia, bipolar, and she has early onset dementia. Like, okay. And she's aggressive and she's a biter. What am i supposed to do, teacher? Like, what? Give us those type of real life examples. So, oh, one more thing. I'm sorry. Um,
0: oh no, of course.
1: That's another thing that I want to do. I'm currently in school now, getting my doctorate in occupational oh. therapy, so I can be a professor in the future. So I really wanna, um, I, I wanna be one of those professors who teach their students like the real. While teaching them the textbook, but I wanna be you like, know, okay, y'all, this book says Sally Jones is this, but really she gonna do this and that. Or what if you have a patient that does this and or a coworker that does this? Like, what do you do in this situation? So I really wanna focus on that with students, and I wanna I wanna go to a university that accepts a lot of black students, not even just HBCU. Like, I went to FAMU, yeah. my class was pretty much majority half and half. Um, mm-hmm. Black people, like black people of color, than some white people. But mm-hmm. I would love to see more just black people thriving in occupational therapy. There's not enough of us at PWIs and stuff like that. And maybe like two or three out of a cohort that I see. Yep. Um, black people are so talented and we can offer so much to this field if people give us a chance and start being so, you know, geeky and stuff like that. So.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I went to a PWI and I was the only black person in my cohort. So <laughs> um, and I transferred into the program. Wow. Now that's so great. it's a it's an issue and it's a problem. And I really do hope that you know more people are aware of our profession, that they want to enter the OT field and you know, apply for these OT programs because we need that diversity in the profession as we're serving diverse populations.
1: With Instagram and like social media being so popular, I've noticed a lot more of Black people or people of color interested in occupational therapy. Like I get DMs. Yes. Like, hey, can you write me a letter, Rick? Or can you tell me more about OT? I saw you do this. I found your page. I'm like, dang, there's a lot of Black people that's finally being connected to occupational therapy. Yes. You know, I am happy about that. Like we're slowly getting more recognized more and more and more, but it'll take a few years, but I'm just happy to see more of us in the field. Yes,
0: I agree because I wish I knew more black OTs when I was in OT school, cause I felt like I was the only one. I was just like, I don't know how this is gonna work, you know, when I'm in the field because I only had one person of color that was a professor in my OT department. Wow. And then, um, then like, we had a few people that represented, like, Asian in my cohort. Maybe, like, one. One or two. I think one. And then me being Black. And then we had, probably had, out of the whole OT department in terms of cohorts, there was, like, one other Black person. <laughs> and I'm just, like, this isn't right. Like, something needs to give, you know?
1: People think that's okay. Well, I don't know what the admissions committees think but that's that's not okay
0: yeah it's really not okay at all and I really do hope that you know when I go back to um, my college and everything like that that they are trying to really emphasize the need to increase the diversity and I remember like during my undergrad and graduate years in my program we did a lot of research on diversity in the profession and the lack of it and uh-huh. we sent it out to AOTA as well and did like a whole little like poster thing um, during AOTA conference, just talking about the research that we've had and how there's lack of research in um, just like OT education and diversity in the profession. There's so many other research out there on like nurses and doctors and things oh, of yeah. that nature for diversity. How so much but research. It's
1: like, right. You but little
0: got- to nothing. Yeah. Well nothing for OT. So I I agree with you um in terms of wanting to make sure when you are a professor, you're you're caring to those who are people oh. that look like you, you yeah. know.
1: I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait to get into a program. <laughs> <laughs> like people. Let's go, line them up. I
0: want. like, like just have a whole line right here. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I don't know when I'm going to get into a doctoral program, but I know that's definitely one of my biggest goals, too. Like, I do want to end up in academia and do the same thing, you know, really try to educate these students and tell them the real truth about our profession. As you said, like, we get the nice little picture-perfect client, the picture-perfect setting to work in. But people don't tell you the truth of what to expect when you're actually in the field.
1: Not at all. One day. One day we'll make
0: a, a change. <laughs> one day we're gonna do it. I, I truly believe that.
1: We will one day. I feel it. It's gonna happen.
0: Back. Yeah. Well, we're gonna end it here. Thank you so much, Vante, for taking the time out of your day to speak with me and just like educate not just me, but everybody else listening to this episode because I swear like this was so great. Like I really enjoyed the discussion.
1: Me too. It was cool. I was nervous at first. I'm like, what's this girl going to ask me? Oh, <laughs> no, it was cool. It was cool. It was cool. It was good. It was good.
0: See, I told you not to worry about anything. Like, it was going to flow.
1: It did. It, it def- Yeah, it was good.
0: Awesome. So before we ended off, I usually give my guests the opportunity to share their social media handles if you have any like projects that you're working on or anything in that particular this is a time to tell it. So
1: the floor is yours. I'm not that important. But my Instagram is underscore Vontae Grinstead. um, V-O-N-T-E-G-R-I-N-S-T-E-A-E. That's all I have.
0: Awesome. All right, guys. So you guys have it there. Um, You have Vontae's Instagram. But if you guys listened throughout the whole thing, I hope you did. Um, We talked about home health, we talked about SNFs, we talked about just like everything in between like being a Black OT. Oh my gosh, like I can't even think about everything we talked about because it's so good, honestly. But I'm glad you guys um, made it through the end. If you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything that was mentioned in this episode, definitely hit me up. You guys have my Instagram and my email address, but that's all we have for today. And I'll talk to you guys later. Peace out.